We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money, investing, and more. Plenty to talk about, right? Uh, it's earnings season. If you can't find something intriguing in earnings, what can you find intriguing? Target, Lowe's, Staples. Uh, all big box kind of retailers, right? They failed to impress investors that their second quarter results were guidance. Uh-oh. That's not good. Staples kind of represents corporate America a little bit. Target kind of represents middle America, middle income. Lowe's is a home builder. But Home Depot yesterday said things were interesting good. What's going on? Things are kind of calm today, right? Right? Um, markets are a little bit lower. Hard to determine, you know, why the inaction when we've had kind of a drift up going on for such a long time. Answer probably rests in the July 26, 27 FOMC meeting. I know you're saying it's August, Rob. But the notes from that meeting are going to be released today. And some people are going to probably be looking at those notes to try to understand a little bit more about the economy and the monetary policy. There's Fed presidents who some are voter, some are not voters. They're causing a bit of a stir with some ruminations, at least one rate hike still being in the cards this year. Perhaps at the next Fed meeting. Fed funds future rate was a guidance of that. It shows little respect for the potential of a higher rate increase. Um, and the market's going to have to deal with that at some point in time, but not today. People's Bank of China trying to rein in some speculation on the possibility of providing further monetary policy stimulus. So China's growing so great. China's so wonderful. China's uh, making new, new technologies, 
But why is their bank poking their economy and trying to lower interest rates? Inquiry minds have questions. Um, market's a little transfixed at the moment, waiting on some sort of information from the Federal Reserve, kind of judging future stock moves on rate hike speculations. That's what we got. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Welcome in. CFP Chad Burton talking retirement issues. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. Financial planning, you have to take into account inflation. Inflation is a dirty word in the world of financial planning. It's something we don't like to talk about, but you have to expect everything's going to be more expensive in the future. Therefore, you have to save more now, and you have to make it work more than inflation over time. Fair? Fair. And, you know, people, you can't just start a plan and then forget about it and think that, oh, automatically my inflation is going to go up or my income is going to go up to keep up with inflation. Even though you can run simulations assuming that um, in real life, the way I see it work, Rob, is like the, the first 10, 15 years, there's actually a lot of inflation. Costs continue to go up. But when people get to their 80s, they, they aren't traveling as much. Um, their inflation really is in the healthcare range. Any healthcare expenses, we always assume five to six percent inflation. So it's really kind of a maybe three to three and a half percent in the first fifteen years of retirement, and then two percent on normal expenses. Healthcare costs always run in at five to six percent, and you can't set up a portfolio that just automatically bumps up with inflation, right? Right. You have to continually run financial planning and cash flow analysis reviews to say, okay. You know, I'll get a call that says, okay, I, I need a bit more money to keep up. So here's my certain costs that have gone up. And, you know, if you don't have a plan that says every year we're comparing our net worth, we're comparing our portfolio performance versus the projections, um, we're, we're comparing your expenses versus the projections, as long as everything's on track, go ahead and bump up and pull a bit more out for inflation. But if you're behind... You might, you know, I might have to tell somebody, no, you know, things, things have, you're spending too much money. You're spending more than we projected. Um, or, oh, hey, we've gone through a period of extremely low interest rates. So the bond positions aren't projecting or kicking off as much income as projected. And you have to be realistic about, you know, whether it's okay to bump up with inflation, but you have to project that inflation in there. You project inflation, but you also project things that are unexpected. Right. Which that's tough to project. Mm hmm. Like, I honestly, and I'll, I'll put a hand on a Bible right now, tell you, I don't see myself ever in a nursing home. Yet Everybody ha- that's ever been in a nursing home said that. Okay. Everybody. And you get to a point in life where you either aren't capable of making the decision because a lot of nursing home has to do with memory issues, Alzheimer's, dementia. So you don't know. Um, <laughs> you're you're yeah, not in control fair. anymore, unfortunately. My yeah. grandmother was in a nursing home environment. And my mother's been in some in long-term care, yeah. in and out. And she'll eventually probably need to go in, or she may die. But the, it's that that piece is actually pretty easy to do, to project because you get to age 70, and there's a 60% chance if you make it to age 70 that you're going to spend some time in a nursing home, and the average stay is, is 2.7 years, and the average cost is anywhere, depending on the on the state that you live in, 60 to 100000 a year. And so you have to simulate, do run a simulation. This is if one of you goes into a nursing home for three years, is there enough money for the survivor? If not, should you buy long-term care? Unfortunately, 2013 was a year where everybody raised their premiums. They got rid a of the spousal discounts and priced most of America out of long-term care insurance if they're over age of 65. Um, so 
when should you buy long-term care? You should start shopping at 55. 55, okay. So if you're 55, you're on track for retirement, and you still have extra income, and you can buy the insurance and still be on track for retirement, then buy it. Okay. You said the average day is 2.5 or 2.7 years? 2.7 years or so, yeah. 2.7. Just say three. Okay. Should we only buy policies for three, given that the you average... You used to be able to buy a lifetime policy, Rob, where if you go in and for now, 20 years with Alzheimer's, no more. Every now, But now everything's segmented. You could buy one year, two year, three year, five years. Six years, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's also types of policies where and it's really only right for people that are sitting on you know, hoarding cash, where you can put it into a type of life insurance policy. And it's only right for people that are hoarding cash, because for an investment, it's not that great. But you can say put three hundred thousand into a life insurance policy that you know would pay your heirs six hundred thousand if you die, or pay your long-term care expenses to six hundred thousand. So there's there's options like this. So these these quasi options that are available for people now. Okay, topic kind of over, but I have one more fun question for you. I recently ran into a guy who's got a healthcare insurance policy, healthcare insurance, right? Mm-hmm. And he he gets twenty percent off his policy if he does blood work every year. So if he agrees to do blood work, and they could kind of figure out if he's got some sort of cancer disease that they could treat early. So he has to agree to it, but it gives him a massive discount. Do you, right. do you like that idea, and do you ever see that coming potentially to long-term care? Like, I think I think even the the idea of some sort of a uh, medical planning that's available, everybody is they're trying to push for the preventative medicine. Right. So that's why nurses and nurse practitioners are going to be very busy trying to get people to be healthy and you know you have to go into retirement if you go into retirement not healthy your first goal when you retire is to get healthy i mean otherwise your retirement is number one going to be miserable filled with doctor's appointments i mean talk to some people their full-time job is going to the doctor and scheduling their appointments and taking their pills and that's a horrible way to live seriously horrible way that's not attractive because uh let's just say one big long word in retirement, men, doctors, and the word would be colonoscopy. Ouch. Yeah, no fun. No. <laughs> you, do not, you do not want what they do to old people on a regular basis. <laughs> Anyhow, and anyway, it's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Joining me now, Art Laffer. Mr. Laffer, how are you? Fine, thanks, Rob. How are you doing today? Doing well. You're kind of famous. You have something named after you, the Laffer Curve. First oh, off, just, that's just my profile. Tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, how did I'm you an get economist. something. Uh, I did, did my PhD in California at Stanford University, uh, and the Laffer Curve, I guess, became famous uh, in the 70s, and it just shows the relationship between tax rates and total revenues. Which, if you tax a person at 120 percent of everything he or she earns, obviously you'll get no revenues because they won't work. I mean, if every time you went to the office instead of getting a check you got a bill, you'd soon stop working. 
and likewise at zero percent tax rates you'll also get no revenues and there there's an optimal tax system there which if you raise rates from zero to some number you'll get more revenues but every time you raise the rates you have two effects you have a revenue effect static effect and you have a dynamic effect which is on the tax base itself when you raise rates you collect more money per dollar of tax base but you also shrink the tax base and and that's sort of the basis of the Laffer Curve. So you're going to be at the Money Show coming up August 23rd through 25th yes. um, in San Francisco at the Marriott Marquis. You're going to be one of the key speakers. People can find out more at SanFranciscoMoneyShow.com. Let's talk the economy right here, sure. right now. Um, how do you feel where the United States is? Well, I think we have the single worst recovery in U.S. history uh, right now. Okay. It's been uh, really a terrible recovery. Uh, if we'd have had the same recovery under Obama as we had under Reagan, we would have had about 11 million more jobs in the U.S. today. We'd have about four trillion, three and a half to four trillion more GDP. Uh, you know, and that's employment or GDP or even housing. So it's been an awful economy, basically because of bad policies. I mean, you, you, you can't, Rob, you can't tax an economy into prosperity, and, and a poor person really cannot spend himself into wealth and. It's fairly simple, straightforward, but uh, the policies of the last 15 years have been pretty much negative. What are some of these policies that you're speaking of, and, and what might we, what new policies might ever be put in place? Well, you know, what the policies I'm talking about are really tax rates, regulations, uh, okay. trade barriers, a bad monetary policy, which it's it's pretty awful right now. Uh, and, uh, of course, spending policies. I mean, government spending is taxation. The, the tooth fairy no longer works at the U.S. Treasury, and every time the federal government or state government spend money, they take it from someone else. And, and that's just unfortunately the way it is. There, there's no free lunch. There's These no the free policies. lunch. There's no free you lunch. Remember, you remember not too far back the kind of uprising against the banking system in the United States. Um, is that going to be more of the norm, or do you think we get, you know, where people are angry, or do you think we get to a point where people are happy and they're growing their their incomes and they're growing their salaries per se? I don't think people are happy right now, and I don't think we'll get to a state with these policies where people will be happy with a very lackluster, slow growth. And, you know, when you look at your kids and your grandkids and say their standard of living will not be any better than mine, that doesn't make people happy. And I think, you know, anger is not a good way of generating votes. But frankly, uh, the government intervention has made things a lot worse, not better. Uh, you know, let's take the negative interest rates of the Fed right now. I mean, who wants to lend money to a mortgage borrower, a risky mortgage borrower, for 30 years at 3.5%? No one. So what we've done with negative interest rates is we've destroyed the supply of money, the supply of funds, to the mortgage market. And it's it's no wonder we have the worst housing recovery ever. Uh, and that and uh, that's what's happened. Interest rates can be too high and they can be too low. Uh, if they're too high, no one wants to borrow. And if they're too low, no one wants to lend. And that's where we are today. So your biography shows me that you worked with Ronald Reagan. Yes. What was that like? It was great. I mean, he was wonderful to work with, and plus, we had the greatest prosperity ever. I mean, uh, Reagan's recovery was the single best in U.S. history. We we were growing in in '83 and '84 at seven, eight, nine percent real growth rates annualized, quarterly basis for two, three years. It was just a very wonderful period of prosperity, and I, I was hoping we'd be able to come back to it 
as well. But right now, looking at the political scene, I'm not sure we're going to. Now, Reagan obviously was known as for trickle-down economics. Is that, would, that something that, that would be me? <laughs> okay, that's kind of cool, huh? It is kind of cool. I don't like the the phrase, but hell, it's fun. And it's about me. <laughs> that was George Herbert Walker Bush who who said it. Trickle down. Gotcha. Um, primary, by the way, that's he now loves it. Something that I'm fascinated with is the taxation of American companies, and you see Tim Cook talking about Apple's cash hoard overseas. He's like, we will never repatriate it at the tax rates. Um, and then you and see right, Ireland right have to do that. And, like, Ireland has almost no taxes, um, so we're not competitive. Can you talk a little bit about the competitiveness sure. of uh, corporate America? I was very involved in the Ireland tax reforms. That Their corporate tax rate is 12.5% uh, on income, and I'm not talking about deductions and all that stuff, but just on corporate income, it taxed 12.5% in Ireland and 35% in the U.S. And, you know, if you have two locations, A and B, and if you raise taxes in B and you lower them in A, producers and manufacturers and people are going to move from B to A. And that's what's happened. We have the single highest corporate tax rate in the OECD, about 32 countries. Uh, and Ireland's one of the lowest. And of course, we're losing business all the time to these other countries. We have the lowest corporate tax revenues, I think fourth lowest of all the OECD. And it, it's just classic example of the Laffer curve. Two high tax rates and no revenues as a result. And everyone's trying to move their funds offshore. And until we get that corporate rate down, it's not, they're not coming back. I once met Steve Forbes. I was on Forbes on Fox. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised because the media kind of makes him a little kooky. But he's sweet. He's intelligent. He's insightful in person. And he had the flat tax. I'm going to run for president. Flat tax, flat tax, flat tax. Is that something that we need to move towards? Or do we oh, yes, of want there to be variations? Steve Forbes is one of my dearest friends. And uh, I've known him right. forever. Uh, and, yeah, flat tax is what you need to do. You need to have a low-rate, broad-based flat tax so you provide people with the least incentives to evade, avoid, or otherwise not report taxable income. And so you give them the least number of places they can put their income to avoid taxation. So a low-rate, broad-based flat tax. Uh, I did Jerry Brown's flat tax when he ran for president in 1992 in the Democratic primary. It would have worked beautifully then, and it would have worked beautifully with uh, Steve Forbes as well. It's it's not left wing or right wing. It's not Republican or Democrat. It's just good, plain old common sense. Art, it's been nice to talk to you, and we'll see you at the Money Show in San Lovely Francisco. Lovely talking with you, and thank you very much for the interview. And I will see you at the Money Show, August twenty third through twenty fifth. You can come out to the Marriott Marquis. You have to sign up. It's free to get in. It's the San Francisco Money Show. The website is oddly enough sanfranciscomoneyshow.com. dot com. That's sanfranciscomoneyshow.com. dot com. Art Laffer will be there. There will be 65 of the nation's leading investment experts, 160 free workshops on investing in money. Uh, there's keynote presentations, much, much more. Learn more at SanFranciscoMoneyShow.com.
Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Target shares tumble as earnings fall about 9.7%, calling it a difficult retail environment. Sales down 7.2%. Uh, major changes in their grocery business, just not doing all that well. So we'll talk about that and more. Let's go to Jake first. Jake is in Hayward, I think. Jake, how are you? Hey, what's going on there, Rob? Not too much. Hey, um, so um, I've heard a lot of great things about you, and I really appreciate your time. Uh, it's a pleasure talking to you right now. And, um, you know, uh, just, you know, I, the more I talk, I, um, I apologize if I sound silly. I'm really, really new to finance. You know, I have a healthcare background and have pretty much no uh, history or experience with the stock market. Um, what do you do you in know, healthcare? I, uh, I work uh, in a hospital as, a, as an assistant, um, I, uh, a CNA, or ED tech, you can say. Um, Very cool. It, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a bunch, it's a bunch a little different from finance, but uh, you know, I. But let me tell you this: my background is I graduated from Sonoma State uh, with a degree in accounting, though. So I, I did get a degree in accounting uh, back in 2009, and I worked um, for PwC for a couple years, and I hated it. I hated it. You know, I couldn't stand working, you know, behind a cubicle. I mean, I don't know if it's me having ADD or whatever, but. Uh, I uh, I just couldn't do it, um, and so I, I stopped uh, when I was 24, um, and uh, you know got into healthcare, and I've been working uh, here ever since, and I love it, and it's great. Um, and now I'm at the point in my life where, turning 30 in about a couple weeks, um, you know, and I my job is stable, you know, I'm able to meet all my general expenses. Um, I have you know uh, you know some some extra money now since I got a raise. Um, monthly uh, to where I want to start investing and actually making my money work for me. I want to be able to get a good return um, on my investments. And, like, you know, I, I, nothing really captures my attention as far as, you know, Apple and Google and, you know, large cap companies, um, you know, uh, mutual funds and stuff like that. Like, that, that doesn't really motivate me. Um, I did start reading Why? books. Well, I don't know. I just Why doesn't the return is not there, you know, and, and the amount of money I'm putting, I, so I want to be able to get good short-term gains. You know, um, okay, so, really so you're basically you're basically just work with me on this one and don't get mad yeah. at me. Yeah. You're basically violently insane. Google's so? one of the greatest ten year investments in the history of investing. Oh sure, absolutely. In, but I can't afford that though. I mean, I'm talking about I like I only have like a couple grand to like invest in, you know, and like I really don't think that's gonna really do Okay, much so you're moving me. you're moving from the word investing to speculation and gambling. But go yeah. ahead. What are you looking at short term? No, no, keep going. No, that, that, that's great. That's kind of what I've been. Well, I hear what I've read. I've read, I've read uh, a couple of Peter Leeds books, and um, you know, I'm I'm looking at uh, you know what he's what he writes about and I, about starting the paper trade first, develop strategy, cut losses uh, really quick, um, and you know, um, and looking at like you know small cap companies. You know, like uh, you know he talks about you know how 95 percent of all these companies are trash, and it's true. But there's those five percent that really um, have that room for growth, you know. And um, by financially assessing their company, you know, looking at their financial statements and you know doing your fundamental analysis and all that stuff, um, I'm also thinking about you know reading up on uh, candlestick patterns um, and, and okay. maybe just you know starting like that. And you know, tell me, time, wait, 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 let's let's stop here for a second. First uh, of all, whose book was this? 
uh, Peter Leeds. It's uh, uh, Penny Stocks for Dummies. Um, and okay. there's a lot of t- a ton of information in there, um, and a lot of good stuff. And it really just breaks down into layman terms, you know. Um, and I, I just absorbed a lot of information from that. And um, you know, um, I I just don't know who to trust, man. At the end of the day, you know, like I look at this stuff, and like everyone's telling me doing this, do that. People always give me a bad rap about the stock market, and it's like, well, tell me about your experience. And when I ask them that, they say, oh, you know, I uh, I just lost a lot of money and just have a negative reaction to it all the time. But and yet, you know, and yet, wait, 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 work with me a little bit. If you talk to people who've been investing their 401k for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, they're all millionaires or close to millionaires. Um, so keep that in mind. Tell me what which friend of yours has used a candlestick pattern is worth a million dollars? Nobody, zero. I'm just, I'm just okay. Learning which which, which right television, now. which person on television, um, which famous investor has used candlestick patterns and has turned ten thousand dollars into a million dollars? Um, I, that guy Peter Leeds, he he started doing that. Um, oh no 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 no! Oh no no! Have you seen his returns? Or have you uh, seen his book? No, I, I've seen some of the stocks that he picks on his newsletters and like just researching them like during that okay. time period. I do see like a gain in percentage from that company, um, that penny stock be, company in yeah, particular. Be careful on that because it's really easy to show you 10 stocks right. once and then show you five stocks later and then later show you just three stocks that were big winners. What happened to the other seven right. stocks? Right, right, right. If this guy, if this, if Peter Leeds was anything special, if he had a system for turning little money into a lot of money, he wouldn't be writing a book. He he would have an island. He wouldn't be sharing the secrets. That's what he I'm would saying. be that's having sex. About that. Yeah, right. You're he would be having right. like he he would have every top model in the world like as his slave on his island. Right. Why would he so, want to tell me? Right. Why would he want to tell you the medical guy from Sonoma State? Um, So be careful. I think you're totally barking up the completely wrong tree, but I want you to do it because you're going to fail. You know, if you look at the famous investors, it's people like uh, Warren Buffett. I'd rather you study Warren Buffett than Peter Leeds. Who the hell is Peter Leeds? Right. Um, If that makes any sense. But you're going to do what you're going to have to do, and you you have to get it out of your system. Because you have this concept of, I don't have very much, and I want to turn a little bit into a lot, which is kind of like magic. What you need uh-huh. to do, in my opinion, is invest and be wise. You, Like you said earlier, um, get more education to get more income. You got a raise recently. That's awesome. That's how you make more money mm-hmm. um, and how you get money to work for you. Um, thanks for the call. Let me give, go over some basic things that I would do if I were you. I'd take the Peter Leeds book, and I would... Put it in the back of my car in case you ever crash into a snowy mountain. You'll have something to start fires with, or maybe to delete a trail from where you were to where you die in the snow. In my opinion, in your 30s, I would advance your career. That's the best advice I can give you, and max out your 401k. I would rethink your budget. Um, if you didn't develop a good skill in your 20s, um, do it now because you still have 30 years of work. I would network like hell. I would network like crazy. Rethink your budget um, is that is a different kind of concept because sometimes you can make more money by spending less. And the whole advance in your career, sometimes you can make more money by making more money. So and when you get that raise, don't put it into silly books about trading. You can do it. Trust me.
Trust me, have fun doing it. And when you turn 10000 into a million, come work with me. I'll pay you a million dollars a year. If you turn $10,000 into $100,000, I'll pay you $500,000 a year. If you do it by day trading penny stocks. Um, offer open for as long as you want it. So in your 30s, I would adjust your insurance coverage. You're starting to live a little bit bigger. You're starting to live a little bit smarter. You have a little bit more to lose, like uh, with your auto insurance, or with your renter's insurance, or your homeowner's insurance. I would start learning how to like um, save money through insurance. Um, I have Geico and I have USAA, and every now and then I price them against each other. So it's just one of those ways where it's one of those bills that you have to pay, and instead of having to pay it um, with what they're telling you you'd pay, you learn to shop a little bit. Um, in your 30s, I would pay off your non-mortgage debt. So if you've got credit cards, get rid of them uh, as far as debt goes. Now, as far as using a credit card, love them. Don't get rid of the credit card itself. Get rid of the debt tied towards the credit card. In your 30s, you should increase your emergency uh, fund balance. In case you lose your job, you'll have, instead of $10,000, maybe $20,000. You should have two to six months of income expenses in your 30s. Um, other things I would do... Um, I would, you know, continue to learn how to be uh, responsible as far as a you know human being goes, and do some charitable work. I like charitable work, and don't get mad at me for saying this for, for the networking. Um, I always believed, you know, in my twenties and thirties that I would meet, you know, the wife of my future by doing charitable work, someone who is had a good heart and who wasn't sitting at home you know, eating Doritos and watching Seinfeld. Um, someone who actually got out and petted cats. I was like, that's great. So I, I looked for networking and for, you know, uh, social experiences through volunteering. Um, in your 30s, you should be saving 15% of your income for retirement. When you start saving for retirement, you know, you may only be able to save 3%, 5%, 6%. And I get why you're trying to cheat and do a day trading thing. Good for you. Um, the best thing you could do is do it and fail, because then you're going to listen to me and save 15% of your salary in your 401k, your 403b, your 457. Um, in your 30s, you want to start diversifying. And again, the stock market's at all-time highs. So anyone that tells you that it's difficult, if you can't buy a frickin' frackin' index fund, and then look at your 401k statement and say, I'm at an all-time high. There's something mentally not firing for you. So the markets are at all-time highs. And we have a horrible world in which we're living in. And we're at all-time highs. In your 30s, you should get a well put together. LegalZoom.com is a good place to start. In your 30s, you shouldn't covet thy neighbor's wife nor her nor their values. Don't live like the Joneses. I'm Rob Black. You can find me at robblackshow.com. Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money 
on AM 1220 KDOW. So, you may think I was a little bit tough on that last call. I wasn't. I've been doing this for a very long time. And, of course, I want to learn how to day trade. Of course, I want software that will, you know, burp out a green light and tell me, time to buy. Of course, I want to go to an online academy that isn't really an academy in any way, shape, or form. It's like Donald Trump University. Um, when I heard about Donald Trump University, it made me wretch. When you hear, like, yeah, to make lots of money, you should borrow lots of money and everything will be okay. That's not how it works. Um, you're betting on a, a greater fool all the time in that scenario. When you invest in the stock market, what you're betting on is capitalism on some levels. Um, sometimes it doesn't work out. The caller made a preposterous claim that 90% of the companies are losers. And that's just a preposterous claim. Um, not backed up by anything. So... I like the S&P 500, and when you take a look at it, you know, you can clearly see that it's done well over the last 80 years. When you look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and it's done well in good economies and bad economies. Um, it's done well in world wars, in major conflicts, Korea, Vietnam. It's done well in high inflation, low inflation. It's done well with Republican presidents, Democrat presidents. It's done well with flip that exact thought around with, um, you know, various types of Congresses. It's capitalism is what you're investing in. And I think more and more what we're seeing is our society is embracing socialism because we live in a society of the haves and the have-nots, is the easiest way of boiling that down for most people. When you take it at that level, and I might be wrong, I'll totally admit it, um, I think socialism kind of waters down profits. So when you ask corporate America to continue to pay more and more and more, or like oil's 50% taxed because it's bad for the environment, or Apple has foreign tax. Like, when you're asking them, they're going to figure out ways to get around it. Um, so when I see someone who's trying to ultimately cheat the system and learn how to day trade, good luck with that. Show me one friend who's done that. Anyone. Anyone out there listening right now. I can show you, you know, trading academies that, you know, I'm going to teach you how to trade from the best. Um, I'm Marty Leary right there. Because the best don't take 20 bucks an hour, 40 bucks an hour to be teachers. My time is worth about 400 an hour if I were to charge you for my time. Fortunately, I work for beer because I feel like I'm giving back to society, helping people to put some money aside, hopefully a lot of money. Um, so... If there was software that did it, and there was a company at one point in time, and I, I basically told management, this is wretched, and this is horrific, and we're hurting people out there. It cost $4,000, and you have to have a maintenance thing on a regular basis. Or anyone who's promising a newsletter, why are they giving it to the guy who's listening to the AM radio station? 
you know, why aren't they giving it to Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton? She made a lot of money last year. Why not give it to her and she'll make even more money? She, and, oh, and you hear phrases like, I want my money working for me. That tells me that you're talking to either a mortgage lender, a realtor, uh, typically a mortgage lender because they want to do that transaction with you. They want you to buy a property in Dallas, even though they won't buy a property in Dallas themselves. And that's why they're coming to you. Why? Because the property in Dallas isn't, doesn't mean a damn thing to them. It's the transaction where they get you to you know, borrow $300,000 and they get 6% of that. Just my opinion. And I'll put my financial worth against anyone else's in radio. Anyone. Um, I'll put my track record against anyone else's radio in radio. Um, and then there's some people like, you know, you, you kind of fall in love with Jim Cramer. You're like, he's an adorable old sourpuss. And he is. Um, bye, bye, bye. Sell, sell, sell. Let's go to the lightning round. He wrote books where he admitted that the way he made money was calling CNBC and lying to Maria Bartiromo. So he would short a stock, and then he would call CNBC and give a tip like, oh, yeah, GE, they're going to hit their earnings big time, big time. Uh, Baba Booey, big time, right? He's kind of reformed himself a little bit because he's kind of learned that people figure it out that you're hurting them when you tell them like this week I want you to buy this you know Bear Stearns at $10 it can't go any lower it can't go any lower and then it goes to zero there's a famous John Stewart segment where he basically you know showed Kramer that he lied on air um, and Kramer had to eat a lot of crow and fortunately for him he did so I would be very, very cautious. And I'm not arrogant in any way, shape, or form. Um, I'm very, very humble. I'm the son of an alcoholic. So I learned not to gloat. I learned not to be happy. I, I learned how to survive. Um, and because of that, I try to share some of that with you. I want you to survive and thrive. I want you to get to retirement. I want you to be the greatest grandfather on the planet. That's really important to me. I don't know why. Um, but maybe it's because grandparents are the greatest things on the planet. Parents have to parent. They have to parent. If you find yourself not parenting, you're not being a good parent. If you're finding yourself loved all the time, you're not doing something right. Because kids have some flaws. Uh, but grandparents have no flaws. They just get to show up, throw out five bucks, bad food, movies, vacations, whatever. Anyhow, you can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. <laughs>